Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion Winning. is to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice. Crucial role is high fit. Compassion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate goal. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Hello ladies and gents and welcome to another epic episode of the Row Show, a regatta madness and wow it was quite mad out there. As always it's myself Lawrence Britton and with me it's Jake Green, and it's good to be back. And I think we've got a lot to talk about uh, from this last weekend. And immediately, won an epic and just great event. I feel like 2022 started off on the best foot, and this whole you know Olympic cycle I think has begun with with a, quite a bang. And um, Lawrence, for me, I definitely got the impression that the the overall quality from this World Cup is, is significantly higher than what it has been in the past. The right across the board, the, the, the diversity in entries, the quality of the racing, the professionalism of the the event, how it just ran through. Um, you know, overall, I think what a what an epic what an epic weekend of racing. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. It was such a cool weekend of racing. I actually missed the live racing on Sunday. I was traveling back from Lesotho. Even though I'm not rowing anymore, I'm still going up to Lesotho to can't help you know, it. live my, my... I can't help myself. Um, I actually went there for a skiing trip because that's where you have to go in South Africa to to ski um, up in the mountains far away from everyone else. So it was pretty epic though, I must say. I enjoyed it a lot. And anyway, so I had to catch up all the racing when I, I got back. I managed to watch the racing on, on Saturday, but then I met to skip and, and re and watch the and watch the the replays in on Sunday evening. But yeah, it was such a cool regatta. I thought it was really good. It was really well represented. I thought a lot of countries had come out to do it. And I wonder if that's because of how expensive Lucerne is is getting for countries. You know, to go yeah. to Lucerne and to host um and to to bring your whole team there to stay at the hotels, you know, for, you know, it's usually a week to ten days that teams are staying there, it's it's really, really costly. And I think that that's why we're seeing such a good turnout at uh, World Cup 2, where it's a little bit cheaper and you know you're going to get good racing. And I think on the other side, there's also the urgency of Olympic qualification coming next year. That one less year of the Olympic cycle, people are really trying to push and get um, get their crews established and some data in the bank so that they can, can make some really... Uh, good decisions going into next year, going into the the Paris Games. Yeah, I think you raise a, a very good point there, Lawrence. And uh, you know, just from previously from watching and being part of the the you know the the rowing scene, I think the first two World Cups have always, for me, being not the same sort of standard as Lucerne. Lucerne for me has always been like a a mini World Champs. Always, most of the crews go, most of the teams go there. The racing is really, you know, really quick. It's really fast. The course in Lucerne is amazing. It's always fair. Always generally produces relatively fast results. Um, and I often find like these first two World Cups, uh, you you don't get the 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 you know the the turnout that you're hoping for. There's always maybe one big country that comes around and and and, and you know they they get the the lion's share of the results. But I think looking at this weekend, you know, just to see 
it's such competitive racing. I think top down, all the events, you know, were really good to watch. And I think the racing was exciting. It was awesome to see so many new faces. And it was actually once I was actually looking at names again, because I, I haven't, I haven't, rec- I didn't recognize a lot of the names. But yeah, <laughs> I think you raise a, a good point. Olympic, Olympic qualification uh, changes things up. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, even I was just, there's so many new names on the, on the scene and there's so many new crews that I'm sitting there, I'm watching the racing. I'm like, yes, do I even know anything about rowing here? There's so many new people. It's so epic. Um, and I think that that's just the turnover from Tokyo and into this next cycle. And I think by, uh, by Paris 2024, we're going to, we're going to know a lot of these names, uh, a lot more comfortably, I think by then. Uh, because you can see the results that uh, people are starting to to dish up and you know there's some really fast crews out there but jake 100 percent. let's chat about the the numbers so each regatta for every regatta madness uh, we go through the uh, the finish times of every single uh, olympic event and we rank them in 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 relation to their world best time and then we put it on a spreadsheet and we have a good look at it and it really allows us to see which um, events are performing at the top, which events maybe are a little bit more open or are lacking some of the, the big crews uh, that are racing. And then also it's really nice because there were uh, six Olympic um, records broken in, in Tokyo. So to see how those changes in the, in the world records have affected the percentages of people racing in those events now. And if you want this kind of data from us, you are welcome. We give it out to our patrons every every regatta. So yeah, head over there and you'll see it'll it'll come up on there on our WhatsApp group where we chat and we had great chats about the racing this weekend, you know, going into the the details. And I think the the biggest talking point is actually the lane selection. You know, we've spoken about yeah. this for ages, Jake. What did you think about athletes being able to choose their own lanes? I think it's a it's a step in the right direction from from wool drawing, and I'd like to kind of see them implementing this more and kind of developing this going in, going forward into the future. It obviously does add in a, a bit of a logistical element where it's it's obviously maybe a little bit more difficult to manage, but I think it it does help because whenever the the conditions get a little bit unfair, I mean there's always a fallout, uh, not a fallout, but there's always such a big like backlash from you know, the countries and the athletes that get the bad lanes or do get screwed a little bit by the results. And, you know, that's not, it's, it's, a, it puts a bit of like a, a smudge on the racing overall. So to kind of put the responsibility in the teams and the, and the, and the athletes hands, I think takes that uh, responsibility away and gives more control to the, the people racing. And I think that's the most important thing is, 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 uh, giving the athletes and giving the teams more control over their destiny, um, which I think is a really positive step in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's a huge step. It's a massive step because, you know, how many years have they stuffed around with the fairness committee and then it's always making the call too late or too early or this or that and then not ever, you know, not ever being able to be confident and be like, this lane is the fastest, here's the proof, this is why this is why we're changing the the lanes. It's now onto the team, and they're like, "Oh, you know, maybe lane one is faster." And then, cool, we're gonna go in that. And then the other the other team can be like, "Cool, well, we think still racing from the middle is good." 
and they can they can choose there and it's ranked on your heats so you know that if you perform better in your heats you have a better chance of performing when the the weather gets a little bit wild so yeah yeah i think it's a brilliant choice my only concern though yeah oh my only concern is that the some of the bigger countries and like the countries with a bit more finances and you know bigger teams will be able to gather a little bit more data a little bit easier and they might you know that can maybe be an, an extra advantage from the big teams to the the up-and-coming smaller teams um, yeah that's, I, that's I guess, the only part part i think is a bit is a bit may is possibly an in an, an issue yeah i think you do, that is that is a good point um yeah, I think it's just going to be something you're going to have to manage. I do think it's better having it this way than definitely without it. And going forward, as people do it, I think there will become a certain uh, pattern, a, a certain way of getting things done, and people work out what's the best, um, you know, what's the mm. best methodology of ga- gathering the data and making the decisions off it. But yeah. I, I also think when you put the responsibility in the athletes and the the teams, the decisions. Are going to be way quicker. So if the weather suddenly comes through, wool drawing typically in the past has to, they only make decisions once people get screwed over. Whereas now, if the cross, if there's like a crosswind that comes through and it's, there's something about the course that makes it super sheltered for one side, immediately the coach is going to be a lookout for the changes in weather. So if something like that happens, I feel like the response to it is going to be way, way, way faster than what it would be, you know, uh, if it was wall drawing. Because, you know, if, if something does develop, the coaches and the teams are going to make a decision based mm. off that development immediately. They're not going to wait for some of their teams to get screwed and then make a decision. And I think, you know, I don't think it's going to be as big of a, dig, uh, as big of a big deal as people think. I think in general, people are going to choose lane three as the center lane and if there's a crosswind, they're going to choose the sh- more sheltered side. It's not like there's going to be, you know, these huge analytical decisions getting made on the lane and, you know, kind of ruining people's uh, Olympic dreams just on the lane yeah. choice. I think in general, if you go with the middle lane and you, you know, you're the good crew, I think if, you, if you're having a banger weekend and then you get and you have come through the rep and you up and you... I mean, the, the, I mean, the heats and the semis and you get to choose the best lane in the final. I think that that's, it's just going to give you that little bit extra of an edge. It's not going to change the whole result of the race. So I think, we, I don't think it's going to be a very big talking point going forward. I just think it's a very cool thing, as you said, putting the responsibility on the teams, on the coach, I mean, on the teams, coaches and athletes to make sure that they, then they, no, then no one can moan about it that much at the end of the day. And, yeah, you know, Wardrobe gets a bad rap for, for not making the decision. And now they're going to have, they're not going to have to make that decision anymore. And I think that that's takes a lot of pressure off them, but also makes a, a, a slightly inter- more interesting um, outcome of the race as well. Yeah. And I think the, it is, I don't think it's going to change too much of the way things, the, the you know, the way, way things are run and, you know, 99% of the time the conditions are fine. It's just like the 1% of the time it is a mess up. You just remember it so clearly because it's like, mm. it's so annoying and frustrating to for that to happen to you. So just, and I mean, it's like a small change. I feel like it's it's not the biggest change. It's like a very small thing. And I think when it does happen, it's going to mean the world and make the biggest difference. 
But I think, mm. you know, moving moving on st- from the, the lane selection, actually getting into the numbers, very interesting stuff. Not as fast as the wo- first World Cup, but I think the top performing um, boats class of the day was the men's double with the Sinkovic's coming in at 96.56%. Um, that's uh, it's almost uh, a percent, just just over a percent slower than last World, uh, the last World Cup. But um, I think... You know, that's Sinkovich is almost uh, separating cells at the top of the sheet there because there was a 40.4% gap between them and the Lighty women's double, which I thought was also also interesting to see the Lighty women's double back on top of the sheet with their new world record. But again, I think it just puts it in, uh, you know, puts it in a, in, a, in a more appropriate range with the rest of the events. Yeah, I mean... The Croatians, the Sinkovic brothers, honestly, ridiculous. You know, they were under huge pressure first World Cup, coming out guns blazing second World Cup, leading from the beginning, not having any of the the Polish coming back at them this this time around, and just strength to strength. And I think that they, yeah, I mean, they were they were so impressive, Jake. Uh, they, they, no, they, I mean, they were sure my crew of the the day because they're just they're just so professional so fast and you know they unstoppable yeah and i think uh i agree with you there lawrence i thought the the sinkovich brothers had real class this weekend and especially after such a tight race at the first world cup you just you just look at that race and you say yes this is flawless because they they literally went up out the blocks in front the polish came back at them and just within like they just got to a point where you're going okay this is what happened the first World Cup we in for a race and then the Croatians just dropped the hammer and within 200 meters opened up clear water and you knew it. You were like, okay, it's game over. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Croatians did exceptionally well. I thought they, 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 yeah, I agree with you there, Lawrence. Well, maybe we'll talk about it later, but I think they're definitely in the runnings for, I think, performance of the, the regatta. And then just looking at the numbers, you know, the, the top performing events was the men's double, the lightweight women's double, the women's double and then the lightweight men's double. So it's all happening in the double skulls this <laughs> in weekend. In the doubles? All the I doubles. I can't believe did, that. Did quite well. All four yeah, doubles, all top the of doubles. the percentages. That's yeah, you know, that is quite ridiculous. So it's happening. And there was less than a percent from the, the men's double at 96.56% down to the lighty men's double at 95.73. And then quite a big drop off from there to the men's skull. Which was a ninety four point nine eight, but it did definitely. There was a fast half an hour in the day, and I think that's uh, that was quite a big uh, element because the men's double was at eleven thirty eight, the light team men's double was twelve oh eight, and then there's quite a big drop off. So they they were obviously racing in the in the you know the fast time of the day. Yeah, but I do think that. So I think the fast time of the day was like uh, from that uh, women's double eleven twenty three to the 12 or 8 lighty men's double, which had the, the other two doubles in sandwich in the middle. But then I do think that the fours are not particularly strong. So that was they were the next races after the, the lighty men's double. And then the drop so the drop off was was quite substantial after the after that to the the two fours. But mm. I don't think that um they were particularly uh, like I don't think that the fours are particularly fast, and I think that there is so much competition happening in these doubles at the moment um, that I think that is pushing them up. I don't think it's I don't think it's like oh this the, this was a really fast gusty part of the day. I think the conditions 
peaked there and then kind of tapered off. But I think that the it's very clear that those are the fastest crew, the fastest events at the moment. Uh, currently. Yeah, and then the, the only other number that kind of popped out to me, Lawrence, was actually the men's single who was fifth on the sheet within the 94.98. But I thought what was interesting about them is that they were rowing. They, they, th- that event was in the slowest time of the day. They were at uh, 138. And I think, you know, Melvin Tuella on the men's single for me is going to be a contender for this year's world champs. I'm calling it early, both the Dutch scholars, men and women. You know, I think no one's Melvin touching is, Oli. No, no, touching. I don't get don't get so carried away. You said this before, <laughs> Lawrence. You said this before. You said this before Tokyo, and and things happen. <laughs> we are missing a lot of men's scholars. You know, we got Chetel. We have Sferi. You know, I haven't seen. I'm not quite sure uh, if he's if he's in or he's out because I see there's another Danish scholar. Um, and then obviously you have Oli, you have Damia. So you are missing a lot of scholars, but you know, Malvin is, is putting a decent margin between him and then, and then, and the next bunch of scholars. So, you know, I think he's got to be running with the big boys, Cumberland champs. Yeah. And then I also thought Jake, you, I mean, just chatting before in the build up, we were looking at these, at these numbers and these results and the team that, was absolutely unstoppable oh, this yeah this regatta was the Netherlands women's team Nether- a Netherlands heavy woman to be yeah. exact crushing exactly. it. I mean the, the Dutch team overall was exceptional but especially on the women's side it was crazy so out of the six heavyweight women's events they won four of them and they were on the podium for all six so they got four yeah. golds one silver one bronze yeah which is I ridiculous. Mean, that's, that's- it is ridiculous. And, you know, the, and the lighty women's double, you know, don't forget who, you know, who raced for the Dutch and the lighty women's double. So come yes. all champs come next year. You never know what happens in that, in that, uh, in that mm-hmm. space. But yeah, the Dutch came this weekend and they really were, I mean, you just, when, if you were watching the racing, the listeners out there, you, you can remember how many times you saw, a Dutch team on the podium. They won overall. They won eleven medals from fourteen events from all the Olympic events, um, which I thought was incredible. Yeah. But also staying on teams that did well. A smaller team, well, smaller. I it used to be small. I don't know if they're that small anymore. Ireland winning a medal in every single event they entered. Uh, they didn't win a gold medal in any of them, but they literally sent all their crews came came through here and they picked up a medal. And I thought that's. That's exceptional. Imagine the vibe back at the hotel when all the crews get back and everyone was a podium finish. It must be crazy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the the lighty double, the, the, the men's double, I kind of started the trend. And then the women's team has just gone strength to strength to strength, which is so cool to see. So, I mean, you got the lighty women's double coming third. You got the women's double with Sunita coming second, which is so epic to see her racing again. Um, yeah, and then I you mean, have their four with some of the changes back in, in, in third place. So, I mean, just epic. Absolutely yeah. ridiculously cool. I just, they've got such, they've got um, such good depth. I mean, they four, so they split their four up. I mean, also the women's four was ridiculous. Literally had the all the Olympic medalists from last year racing again in the event, which is wild. And it was literally like... This almost the same race, you know, Australia one, Netherlands second, Ireland third. But like Ireland have got now two new members in that four and then two of the rowers, uh, I think it was Emily Hegarty and uh, oh, 
what was the Fiona. What was her partner? Uh, Fiona Murta in the pair. They they came out the four and they rode into the the pair and they also picked up a medal. So outrageous depth. Usually when you see these crews crews splitting up, it there's you know one still performs, the other one drops off a bit. But but having both of them have a podium finish, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. If they're looking at targeting the pair as the top boat or the four still the top boat, I think that's yet to be determined. But yeah, outrageous depth, and I think Ireland. Just going from strength to strength. I think come you know come Paris, they're going to have another fantastic Olympics. Yeah. And I mean, it's so epic to see Sunita there. I mean, I really thought that she would. You know, I think uh, Tokyo was pretty hard. I think it didn't go away, and it's an, another you know kind of notch on the you know the wrong side of the the track. And then she's kind of if she can come come back and then try something different, you know, and uh, mix it up a bit and go into the 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 double. And do well there. That would just also be so amazing to to see. So yeah, we're really cheering out there for for Sunita to come back. Hundred percent blazing. It's going to be very cool. And there must be such an. I don't know. You know, Lawrence. You know, you can. I mean, we've both always we've we've rode with. You know, coming to the team as young young bucks and rode with the the seniors. But you know, Zoe Hyde, who's a relatively new athlete on the scene, rowing with Sunita in the double. Must be crazy, and then coming away with a, a silver medal at this World Cup. I mean, what a yeah, for sure. What a race! It, it must, must be, be so cool. incredible for her to, you know. I mean, there's something about rowing in a boat with uh, such a successful athlete and such a big name, and then you can that, that transfer of knowledge that happens in the boat, the feeling, the rhythm. You learn so quickly. You go soak that stuff up like a sponge. So it must be incredible to get a chance to race race with Sunita. Yeah, big time, Jake. I mean, when I, in 2011, I raced with uh, Ramon De Clementi, who won our first uh, Olympic medal back in 2004. And he was racing juniors the year I was born. So he was way older and just, he was an absolute legend. So then eventually I made it into the team and got selected in the pair with him. And also, uh, uh, we got on the podium on the first or second World Cup and it was just so epic. Mm. That season was very cool. I mean, obviously, uh, we didn't quite get the result we wanted at the the end, but we, you know, the amount I learned that season was, you know, um, so it's so big. epic and just really really cool. And and yeah, so I think you you soak up so much when you get to to row in a crew that has you know experience and has you know a wealth of knowledge of how to to be fast and and what to expect from a crew to to do well. So yeah, I think yeah, it's very it- very cool. A hundred percent. And then I think taking another bird's eye view, look at the overall weekend and looking at the teams doing well and a team that's up and coming is China. And I, they are starting to, you know, they've, they've got a foothold in a couple of events and you know, you're just starting to see them go into those a finals. They, they're in those races for the podiums. I mean, they came away with, um, with two gold medals this weekend. They, they both the women's and the men's quads at the moment are, looking really really strong i think they both had fairly dominant performances in their respective fields but then if you look at the the fourth place crews there were i think there were four chinese boats that landed up in fourth place this weekend so you know you can just see there's momentum on that side and you know i i you you brought it up in the chat before the the men's four from china is looking really good and i think this paris i think it's got to be uh, possibly one of the stronger Olympic uh, 
uh, Olympic Games for the Chinese rowing team based off what we're seeing now. I think it's looking really positive at the moment. For sure, dude. I thought that, you know, because, I mean, as a heavyweight man, a man, you like, you don't race China that often, especially in the in the sweep side of things. You know, they, they've had really good lightweight men's fours. They've had exceptional heavyweight scholars. And, you know, they have this, the, the women's quad that's just, you know, constantly knocking the knocking on the front door and then you have but on the men's sweep t- side they're often lacking a bit and they often struggle to like you know yeah. get the the results in or even just have a decent crew that can you know string one race or, or one regatta together so to see the four come out the blocks and row like they were rowing because that that's also what is what is what i found the most impressive was that the way they were rowing you know you have the australians with their funky rhythm and you know just absolutely nailing it out the blocks and and getting up and and away which is awesome to to watch and and very different but the chinese crew definitely looked smoother looser easier um obviously they're coming forth and and aussie are winning but the it's just cool to see and it's really cool to see them being able to dish it up in the in the the heavyweight men's side and yeah i think that we're gonna see big things from from them going forward because i think that's a crew that can definitely do a bit better than what they did yeah. this weekend yeah 100 percent. and i think just jumping across the pond from china and you know it's a good segue here to, to bring it up but i thought looking into the men's pair event that japanese pair i thought showed really good promise and they they got unlucky well they didn't get unlucky they just missed out on that that third place finish which i think would probably be if the first one of the first times japan has medaled on a international circuit and i think looking because i you know watching the racing from friday saturday sunday the japanese pair were looking really strong through the progression so i've got my eyes on on this new combination you know one of the rows raced at the games in the in the men's single skulls and he's moved into the pair and it's it's awesome to see because you always i find often in rowing the teams the teams kind of you see the familiar teams in the certain events and you don't often see new teams coming through and this is such an awesome example of like, you know, a, a fresh team coming in with uh, new faces and possibly a new rowing culture onto the scene that we haven't seen before and like seeing how they do. So I thought Japan coming forth in the men's pair this weekend was, was a huge result for them. And I'm really excited to see what it does for the Japanese team because there were a couple other boats racing at this World Cup from Japan. So it's awesome to see their, you know, their um, inclusion in this regatta. And then one of the other one of the other teams I don't quite understand is like India. Then they're coming with this like these huge eights that are not ready to race like in the in the eights events. And why would they not try and like uh, summarize that down into you know a good pair or you know a good quad or somewhere there to to try and you know dish up a small boat that can actually perform as opposed to try and field these big eights where they way off the pace. Yeah, I think it's it's. I'm not sure, you know. It's I I think the eight just allows them to, I guess, get more bums on seats and and get bigger, just kind of like get more experience through a bigger group of of people. And maybe they go back to India now and they start separating things out and start developing um, certain crews. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not quite sure what the the idea was behind there. But yeah, we'll have to see in the future. 
Um, but I mean, the, the just the decision to send such a big team from India across, I think, is a good sign for the future of uh, hopefully of the direction that Indian rowing is going to take. Because I mean, that's another you know that's another part of the world that I think would be great to see on the the rowing circuit and. Hopefully, in the next couple of years, see a couple of boats coming out that are fairly competitive. I know they got a, a decent lightweight men's double, so you know it's hopefully going forward we'll see see move more from the Indian team. And yeah, I think Lawrence, what they what I would want to see, but that's exactly what I mean up. though. Is yeah, yeah, is split them up. There's good guys in there for sure. You know, there's no way that they can be, you know, even even in the in at the World Cup without having good good athletes in in a way. And as you said, now the the lightweight guys they're decent, but then there's because because they've had to choose two, whereas now you're yeah. like, okay, cool, we're gonna choose all eight of you guys, and you've got to go into eight, and then the top guys are, um, are kind of hidden away. So I would like to see a, you know a small boat, you know a, a double, a pair, you know a four, a quad maybe, and I think yeah, they'll no, do a lot better. A hundred percent. I think the the nice thing about having a big team, Lawrence, is I mean you know this is the 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 competition that comes the natural competition that comes from having so many people is so important to developing fast teams so it seems like they've got that element which is so important is having a huge group of athletes that are going to push each other to be better because you can't you know competition gives you that element of pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and you cannot get that if you were by yourself there's you just you can't get it. You can't get that 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 edge that pushes you to be better, mm. that forces you out of your comfort zone to do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. So I mean, it's perfect to put them into pairs and then you know let the you know let the you know, natural natural selection process happen and and see what happens. For sure, dude. That's um, I think you 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 nailed the whole. The whole thing there, Jake, and I think we, I'm looking at the notes here, and I don't think there's there's really much else to to talk about. I mean, we we've covered a lot of the good stuff, you know. We don't want to, um, you know, we want to leave everyone on the edge of their seats, you know, right, ready for the next regatta, looking forward to to seeing what was gonna where yeah. where it's all gonna come from. What and I what I wanted to ask you, Lawrence, though, is um. I think the the two big questions are the performance of the day and the race of the day. I think Lawrence kind of gave it away earlier, but performance of the day. Who do you think? Who do you think got it for for performance of the day today? Performance of the day is Sinkovic's. Come on, Jake. <laughs> I mean, if you have any respect of our sport, you, you, you. Who else are you choosing? Who else are you choosing? I would say the the New Zealand men's pair performance of the day easy for for their race. Yeah. 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 I thought just, I thought the way they. No, I'm not spitting on the creations. I think they they're exceptional, but I, there was just <laughs> something about there was something about the way the New Zealand pair won that race, and they just kept opening that margin more and more and more the whole way down. They looked strong, and then they finished the race, and they looked like they had so much left in the tank. So I think that for me, you know, I think I'd give them performance of the day. I mean, there's so many. There were so many good strong performances: men's and women's single, the men's double. You know, a lot of people you know, had strong performances, but yeah. Do you know why they were the only uh, New Zealand crew to be racing? I have no idea. I mean, we we spoke in the past. I've kind of gotten the sense that the New Zealand selection committee is is quite uh, quite tough and harsh on selecting boats. So maybe at the moment, 
the men's pair is uh, maybe the only boat they have comfortable enough with sending across. Um, I think I, I don't know what, about the eight, but I think the you know the eight's kind of broken up a bit because it sounds like there were a, cu- a couple of rows that decided to you know move away from the sport, and obviously their coach it seems has returned back to um, his uh, previous job as I think he was a teacher. So, um, you know, I think they there's a bit of break in momentum, and I think at the moment the men's pair might be the only the only crew that I think the New Zealand selection committee felt comfortable enough with sending cross because I, I get the sense that oh, they but don't also on send... the women's side they have a tons though as well but it, yeah. and they were entered in more though they were entered in more in the beginning and then they kind of then uh, it doesn't look like any of them um i suppose on the women's side they still had a women's four yeah they had the women's fifth. four um and i think uh they had a lightweight scholar who actually won the lightweight skulls which was quite impressive but yeah, I mean, you know, Lawrence, I'm I'm not quite sure. I think, uh, like I said, New Zealand can be quite quite mm. st- sticky with their selection process. So hopefully, at World Champs, we're going to see a stronger outfit from New Zealand because they're definitely a team that you want to see on the world stage. I mean, they've got such a you know a, a strong presence of the, on the world rowing stage. So hopefully, yeah. World Champs, we'll see more of them. And at Lucerne, actually, uh, I'm very interested to see if the Dutch can carry on because we often see the Dutch being very fast at the beginning of the season and they clearly have a lot of speed here. And then, you know, they don't always translate it into the second half of the season, but I'm very interested to see if they can, if they can pull it off and if they can keep this, um, you know, some, a lot of these crews at the the top of the, the field. And I still think we need more regattas and more racing to build a better idea of, of what's happening this season and, and who is, really yeah. um going to be a top dog at the at come world champs at the end of the year 100 percent, and i think just uh when you're talking about the creations and the men's double lawrence that we haven't spoken about but how crazy was that australian and the netherlands sharing the third third of their bronze medal with the the dead heat day? yeah wow awesome to see and i thought it's, it's about time though. that uh, we've seen something like that yeah i mean and, and we we're just saying that the you know the um uh, Damian Martin and um, and Mahi Drysdale, their race where they went down to the millisecond and then they they gave Mahi the the time, even though you know a lot of sports would have given them a, a dead heat. This is better, you know. Like yes, if you go down into the the nth degree, you can see a difference between those two bow balls. But how, who's to say who started a little bit up or a little bit down? Yeah. Or, you know they if you if you're within you know if you're within two decimal places you've got to give them the the tie yeah and i think you know what's interesting lawrence is because at the first world cup you also had a dead heat in the lightweight men's double between spain and, and chechia they both rode a 622.04 and they decided to split those two and give the silver medal to spain and the third the bronze medal to chechia so i wonder what changed their decision this weekend you, you know maybe Maybe they've had this discussion, and they—I don't know what 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 do you think made them decide to to give them the shared medal. Maybe they couldn't split it. Maybe when they went down again, they were looking, and there was just there was nothing in it. But nothing in know. it. I think yeah. it's better. I think it's better to give a a, a tie. In some yeah, cases, yeah, and I think, I mean, we've had this discussion in the past, so maybe we won't go into it too much. But you know, that kind of separation in time, you can chalk that down to 
such small things like you, there could be someone boom thing like you said at the start came down like a thousandth of a second sooner there was like a wave on the water that splashed someone or you know something silly like <laughs> them going over a tiny piece of weed or something like Jake, that if that, you, that margin if you of get error. beaten by someone if you get beaten by someone and you try and blame a wave coming over your boat I'm just spitballing here, Lawrence. It's a I'm bit of banter. It's time to, it's time to <laughs> hang up your 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 horse if that's where the if that's the level of upset you're getting. Oh, that's yeah. Funny. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, no. Cool. I think that's a wrap for us, Jake. I think it is a wrap, and I th I mean, I'm really excited for what's coming forward. I think the twenty, like I said at the beginning, twenty two season got off to a fantastic start. I think the COVID the COVID hangover is gone touched wood and I, yeah. I, I I'm hoping going forward that we're going to continue to see the um the the good management with the ongoing pandemic because the entries at the moment are fantastic to see and it definitely seems like we've shaken off that uh you know we've we've got got rid of that sense of impending um, doom and we're finally back onto why we love the sport so much so I mean I can't wait to see Lucerne um, come around it was great great watching the racing this weekend for sure and i think jake next regatta soon will cup we're gonna see you on the water yes you will and indeed i am gonna be back here grafting away for the row show finding some new and better hosts to help <laughs> us with the hype train and the regatta man <laughs> Of so course, we'll maybe I'll send through some um, hot takes from Lucerne. Yeah, definitely. Spread the word there. But I have to get some uh, on-the-move um, uh, hot takes from some of the other rowers. Yeah, well, let, let me let me see what I can do. But yeah, I think thanks for listening, everyone. And I've, like again, a huge shout-out to our Patreons. And everyone that's listening out there, you know, you guys are fantastic. Thanks for supporting the show. Follow us on Instagram. And uh, let us know what you think and get in touch with us. Lawrence and I love reading your messages and, and getting back to you. So, yeah, awesome stuff, guys. Have a fantastic week. Tops, we're out. Ciao.